Welcome to Office Hours, the social science podcast produced at the University of Minnesota, featuring conversations with prominent scholars, researchers, and other movers and shakers in the social world. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Dr. Robert Agnew, the Samuel Candler Dobbs Professor of Sociology at Emory University and President-Elect of the American Society of Criminology. Dr. Agnew is a well-known criminologist, perhaps most famous for his development of the general strain theory of crime. He's recently written an article for the journal Theoretical Criminology called Dire Forecast, a Theoretical Model of the Impact of Climate Change on Crime. Today, Dr. Agnew joins us to explain why he thinks climate change may become one of the biggest drivers behind rising crime rates in the 21st century. Dr. Agnew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. Great. Well, today um, I wanted to talk with you about an article that you recently wrote called Dire Forecast, a Theoretical Model of the Impact of Climate Change on Crime. And I'm betting that a lot of people tuning in are, are wondering, well, you know, what in the world would climate change have to do with something like crime? So I'm wondering if you could tell us just, you know, how did you first get interested in this idea that there might be some links between climate change and crime? Well, um, you know, I've been a criminologist, of course, for several decades now, mm-hmm. but I've also had a personal interest in climate change, uh, you know, really from uh, from the mid-90s when it started to make the news. And I've closely followed uh, news reports, um, read a few books, um, saw a few movies like Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth and so on. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, with each passing year, I became more and more concerned about climate change and what it might bring. And particularly the last few years, as the science has become more certain and as the predictions have become more dire, hmm. and um, really began to feel almost something of a moral obligation that this is perhaps the greatest crisis that will confront humanity, and um, I really need to be doing something about it. Hmm. And um, it occurred to me that, well, you know, maybe uh, my particular strength is academic research. Maybe there is uh, something that I could do in that area. I think that's the area in which I I might make the greatest contribution. Hmm. And um, so as I started to look at the literature on climate change, um, I noticed initially the predictions focused just on kind of the physical impact of climate change. Um, But more and more, social and behavioral scientists were getting involved, and Mm. so some political scientists, for example, were talking about the possible impact of climate change on social conflict, Um, public health researchers talking about the impact of climate change on health, others talking about the impact of climate change on migration. Mm. And as I began to read that literature, it occurred to me, well, you know, there's good reason to think that climate change might also have an impact on crime. Mm. And this isn't something that criminologists have devoted much attention to, although right. I might mention that an emerging area in the field of criminology is known as green or environmental criminology. Uh-huh. But most green criminologists are looking at um, how corporations, states, sometimes individuals, uh, engage in criminal or harmful behaviors that harm the environment. Right. Uh, and some of them are looking at behaviors that might contribute to climate change, pollution, deforestation, and so on. There really wasn't much discussion about how climate change might impact crime. Hmm. Most of the work that I do in criminology focuses on the causes of crime. Right. And so um, what I decided to do 
is um, take my emerging knowledge of climate change, combine it with my knowledge of the causes of crime, and argue that there is good reason to believe that as climate change proceeds, it may become one of the major forces, if not the major force, driving crime. Hmm. Uh, And so basically what I do in the article is in the first part, I provide a little background information on climate change. What is it? What are some of the effects of climate change, both physical and social effects? Mm-hmm. And then, in the second part of the article, I try and link that to the research and theory on the causes of crime. And mm-hmm. I basically say that given what we know, uh, what we expect um, climate change to do, um, there's good reason that it's going to impact a good number of the leading causes of crime and, uh, as the century progresses, uh, contribute to a good deal of crime. Yeah. So that's the origin of my interest then, just kind of combining uh, my professional interest in criminology with what initially began as a personal interest in climate change. And, you know, along with sort of a, a strong feeling that, you know, this is this is a major problem and uh, I need to do something about it. And wow. research is perhaps the, the, the best way that I could uh, contribute. Well, that's great because I know, you know, so many of us are thinking, well, I've got to change, you know, the kind of light bulbs that I use or cut down on my use of the car. But you're thinking, how can I use my research skills to impact this problem? I mean, I think that's um, I think that's fantastic. So what are some of the aspects of climate change in the article that you talk about that you see as being most connected to crime or that are going to contribute to some of these mechanisms that we know uh, increase. Okay. Um, first, let me um, give a little background on climate change, what it is, and, and some mm-hmm. of its different effects. Um, yeah. um, you know, climate change basically is being driven by an increase in heat-trapping gases in the atmosphere, principally carbon dioxide, but also the other gases like methane. And uh, we're quite certain that this increase is largely due to human activities, mm-hmm. especially the burning of fossil fuels to a lesser extent deforestation. Mm-hmm. And so um, carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere have increased from roughly 275 parts per million during the pre-industrial period to about 390 parts per million today. So a rather dramatic increase over right. the space of the last 100 years or so. Um, the large share of this increase is due to developed nations like the United States, but China and India are now major emitters. Mm-hmm. And um, climate change um, itself involves several related phenomena. It's going to involve, uh, among other things, a rise in average temperature. Right. So, uh, and this is already happening. This isn't the future. So the, mm-hmm. the global average temperature has increased about 0.8 degrees Celsius since the late 1800s, and mm-hmm. the large share of this increased since the 1970s. And right now, on the path that we're headed, it looks like the global average temperature will increase by maybe 4 to 5 degrees Celsius by the end of this century, perhaps before. Um, you know. And again, this is happening now. Twelve um, of the warmest years on record have occurred in the last 13 years. Right. Um, if you've been listening to the news lately... Um, you know, even up north where you are in Minnesota, oh. um, you've probably been hearing we're setting a lot of um, record temperatures. It's been and the weirdest fact, winter. Yeah, it's. It I hate this indeed. winter, actually. I want it to be cold and snowy <laughs> like I'm used to, and it's driving me crazy. And I might mention that, uh, you know, a few decades ago, it used to be that the ratio of record highs to record lows was about one to one. Mm-hmm. But uh, recently, um, that has changed, and the uh, ratio of record highs to record lows is about two to one. Hmm. 
Um, the United States, the average annual temperature in the United States has increased by more than two degrees Fahrenheit over the last 50 years, mm. with close to a five to perhaps seven degree Fahrenheit increase in Alaska and Western Canada. So basically, uh, we're experiencing an increase in average temperature, and that's going to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, most scientists agree that anything more than a two degree Celsius increase will bring catastrophic results. And right now, as they say, the path that we're headed on, we're expecting maybe a four to five degree increase by the end of this century, if not sooner. Right. But in addition to a rise in average temperature, uh, climate change will bring changing patterns of precipitation. Mm-hmm. So the amount of rainfall is going to increase in some areas, uh, particularly at higher latitudes and in the moist tropics. It's mm-hmm. going to increase in the others, especially in dry and semi-dry areas. Right. Um, the timing and nature of rainfall will change. And so in many places, it's going to be drier in summer when we need the rain the most, wetter in the winter, which increases the risk of flooding. Right. And when it does rain, it'll more often come in the form of heavy downpours, which increase flooding, erosion, runoff. Mm-hmm. And again, these changes are already evident. So the land area suffering from droughts more than doubled since the 1970s. Wow. And we're going to see a rise in sea level. But again, this is already happening in part because so the atmosphere heats up. We have a thermal expansion of the ocean, but also because of the melting of ice sheets and glaciers. And yeah. um, right now, the latest predictions um, indicate that we might see a rise of at least a meter by the end of this century. Hmm. But the sea level isn't going to stop rising at the end of this century. And uh, many people feel that with the melting of the ice sheets over Greenland, the Arctic, West Antarctic, sea level may rise uh, many, many meters. Um, to give some context to that, mm-hmm. 13 of the world's 20 largest cities are on the coast right, right. now. About 150 million people live within a meter of mean sea level worldwide. Yeah. And uh, so it's going to get warmer. Sea level is going to rise. And also there's going to be an an increase in extreme weather events. Heat waves, droughts, cyclones, hurricanes, floods. And once more, that is already starting to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are some examples of that. Um, So, for example, the 2003 European heat wave, Hmm. Killed over 70,000 people, Wow! Um, including 15,000 or more in France, where temperatures reached 104 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Um, wow. Melting glaciers in the Alps caused flooding in Switzerland. Hmm. Over 5% of the total forest area in Portugal burned. It's a 30% drop in productivity of plants due to droughts. Uh, and it's hard to say that any specific event like that is due to climate change, although some recent models indicate that climate change certainly increases the likelihood of these events. Um, And, you know, last year or so, there have been um, numerous instances of drought, heat wave, flooding, China, Pakistan, Russia, Australia, the Horn of Africa, here in the United States and Texas, parts of the South. Yeah. And so these are some of the uh, phenomena associated with climate change. Hmm. Um, And these phenomena are going to have a number of effects effects that I argue will directly and indirectly increase crime. Effects like habitat change. So many areas, grassland will turn into desert, forest into grassland. It's already starting to happen in areas like, say, the Sahel in Africa, experiencing drought, warmer conditions, desertification is well underway. Going to be a loss of coastal wetlands and mangroves. Um, Mm. Ocean habitats will change. We're already experiencing a massive loss of coral reefs. 20 to 30 percent of plant and animal species that are at risk of extinction this century. Hmm. In fact, uh, it looks like we are now entering the sixth mass extinction of life on Earth. Hmm. 
It's going to be a flooding of coastal areas, deltas, low-lying islands, river basins, due to rising sea level, more intense storms, the melting of glaciers and snow cover. Um, negative health effects. Uh-huh. A recent Lancet Commission report states that climate change is the biggest global health threat in the 21st century, mm-hmm. and that it will put the lives and well-being of billions of people at risk. Wow. Um, it will contribute to the spread of certain infectious diseases like malaria, to malnutrition and undernutrition, um, to diarrhea and other diseases related to water contamination, to mm-hmm. cardiorespiratory diseases from increased air pollution when it gets hotter, air pollution increases, heat stress, uh, trauma from extreme weather events. The Global Humanitarian Forum now estimates that climate change is responsible right now for over 300,000 deaths a year. Mm, wow. um, there are going to be food and fresh water shortages part due to higher temperatures, um, drought, uh, the loss of fresh water sources because of um, the melting of glaciers and snow cover. As sea level rises, coastal water sources will be contaminated with salt. Um, And so as a result, the area suitable for agriculture is going to decline. The growing season will be shorter. Crop yields will decline. And and once again, we're already starting to see some evidence of this. And the oceans, too, are threatened mm-hmm. um, because of rising ocean temperature. And also, the oceans are becoming more acidic. So the oceans uh, absorb excessive CO2 from the atmosphere. They increase in acidity. And, and um, these sorts of effects will, among other things, lead to the loss of and, and threats to livelihood, though directly threaten the livelihood of small farmers, uh, herders, fishers, those involved in coastal snow-related tourism. And um, that's 60% of the workforce in developing nations, more than uh, about a billion and a half people. Um, Climate change is going to impose high economic demands on nations, um, maybe as much as 20% of world gross domestic product by um, Hmm. the end of the century if we don't act now. And a lot of nations are not prepared to meet that challenge. Uh, right. They're not going to have the economic resources to adapt to climate change, to recover from the effects of climate change. Um, so, for example, things like um, rising temperature, rising sea level, extreme weather events, they're going to damage infrastructure, mm-hmm. roads, bridges, pipelines, power lines, water sanitation facilities. And a lot of nations won't be able to recover from that, and it's going to hurt their economic development. It's mm-hmm. going to uh, it's going to contribute to poor health, to transportation problems, uh, you name it. And hmm. Another impact, increased migration. Right. Um, drought's going to force people off the land. Um, sea level rise will force coastal inhabitants to move. Right. Um, social conflict might force many to flee to safer areas, and I'll come back to that in a second. Uh-huh. Extreme weather events and forest fires, which are associated with those events. When you have droughts, you have more forest fires. They're going to destroy homes and livelihoods, again, prompting migration. Um, some estimates say that by mid-century, we might have literally hundreds of millions of uh, environmental migrants, although estimates in this area uncertain, and they vary a lot, but there seems little doubt that um, climate change will dramatically increase migration across borders and within countries, and uh, and it'll increase social conflict, um, hmm. in part competition over scarce resources, fresh water, food, mm-hmm. fuel, land, Competitions between nations and also competition between groups within nations. Um, migration produced by climate change will foster social conflict when, you know, especially when migrants move to areas where resources are scarce, where there are pre existing social divisions between the migrants and the people in the receiving area. Right. Climate change is going to weaken states as states struggle to meet basic needs to respond hmm. to this devastation, you know, inflicted by climate change. 
Um, and so, in short, I know I've, I've been rambling a bit, perhaps. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, climate change is going to have a number of uh, major effects. You know, it's not just going to be physical. It's not just going to be, right. well, it's going to be a little bit hotter in the summer and we'll have to turn up the air conditioning, etc. It's going to set right. off a number of major uh, physical, economic, health, social effects. Right. What I basically argue in the paper is that there's good reason to believe that many of these effects may, as I say, impact the causes of crime in ways that uh, increase the likelihood of crime, again, with climate change perhaps becoming um, the major driving force hmm. uh, behind crime as the century progresses. Yeah. Um, but if you like, maybe uh, let me a little elaborate a little bit and sort of talk about how some of these consequences might increase crime. Yeah, that's, that was that was going to be my next question. So, what you know, to spell it out for people who maybe aren't as familiar with some of the different theories of crime, what are those mechanisms that that these uh, effects might you know link to as far as increasing crime? Sure. Um, in the paper, basically, I talk about the impact of climate change on really all of the leading theories of crime mm -hmm. um, and discuss maybe seven or eight different theories in the paper. So I won't go through them all with you, but maybe I'll just focus on, on one or two. And then yeah. we begin with the theory where I do most of my work, and that is strain theory. Great. And there's good evidence that certain strains or stressors increase the likelihood of crime. Not all strains or stressors, mm -hmm. but those that are high in magnitude, those that are perceived as unjust, um, those that have certain other characteristics and people who experience these strains, these stressors, among other things, um, they experience a range of negative emotions. They become upset, mm. um, angry, frustrated, depressed, and so on. Right. And that creates pressure to take corrective action. You feel bad, you want to do something about it. And one possible response, certainly not the only one or even the most common, but one possible response is crime. Uh -huh. Sometimes crime might be a way to reduce or escape from strain, and so you're experiencing monetary problems. And, mm -hmm. you know, crime is sometimes um, a way that people employ to, to deal with these monetary problems. They right. engage in theft, they sell drugs, um, robbery, prostitution, etc. Mm -hmm. Crime can be a way to um, seek revenge against the source of strain or related problem or related targets. So mm -hmm. someone treats you in a negative manner, you become angry, you become upset, you seek revenge. Um, and sometimes crime could be a way of alleviating negative emotions, for example, mm. through illicit drug use. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, not all people respond to strains with crime. Some more likely than others, a point I'll come back to. Okay. But one of the arguments, basic arguments that I make in the paper is that there's good reason to think that climate change will increase the number of strains or stressors and thereby increase crime. Mm -hmm. uh, let me give you just a few examples. Yeah. Climate change is going to result in an uncomfortable increase in temperature, mm -hmm. with average temperature and temperature spikes. And there have been not a lot of research, but some research suggesting that when the temperature rises, particularly when there's a large increase in temperature, passes a certain threshold, mm -hmm. crime increases, especially yeah. violent crime, but perhaps also property crime. So there's some evidence that... Um, for example, crime is higher in warmer cities and regions hmm. during warmer months, seasons, and days. Mm -hmm. um, even even laboratory studies find that high temperatures um, increase crime, hmm. uh, the better laboratory studies. Um, again, temperatures only seem to increase crime after they pass a certain threshold point. There, For example, a series of very hot days. And, okay. Um, there's also some evidence uh, the effect of temperature is stronger in low-income areas where uh -huh. access to air conditioning is limited and in rural areas where 
outdoor activities more common. Uh-huh. Um, but one of the things we know, climate change is going to increase with average temperature and temperature spikes, heat waves. And there's some research suggesting that when temperature increases, uh, may increase crime. And in part, not entirely, but in part for reasons related to strain theory, it makes people irritable, mm-hmm. angry, touchy. Also may increase crime for reasons related to the other theories. So when it's warmer, people, for example, spend more time outdoors, and so there's more opportunity for crime and have more people interacting with one another. Um, Another example, we know that climate change is going to increase extreme weather events, floods, hurricanes, Mm -hmm. droughts, uh, and so on. Blackouts will, will increase as well in connection with that. And... And these events are not only strains or stressors in and of themselves, yep. but they lead to a host of additional strains, physical injury, the death of close to others, destruction mm-hmm. of home and property, loss of livelihood, um, and so on. Right. And there's been some research on natural disaster and crime. And interestingly, most of the research suggests that crime, despite popular perceptions, decreases after a natural disaster. People kind of pull together, they help one another, yeah. etc. But in some cases, crime increases after natural disaster. So, for example, this was the case uh, with Hurricane Hugo in St. Croix, Andrew uh-huh. in Homestead, Florida, Katrina, for certain categories of people. Okay. And the most recent research suggests that sometimes natural disasters decrease, usually decrease crime, sometimes they increase crime. Uh-huh. And there's some reason to believe, we need more research in the area, but some reason to believe that they're more likely to increase crime when disaster victims believe the government will be unable to meet pressing needs for food, water, shelter. Um, mm-hmm. The disaster or post-disaster problems are blamed on the others. Um, security is lax, and, okay. and there are pre-existing divisions or resentments among, among those in the affected area. As climate change proceeds, disasters, I argue, will increasingly have these features. They'll become mm-hmm. more frequent and severe straining the ability of people and governments to meet basic needs and provide security. We'll often be blamed on the other individuals um, as climate change proceeds, as knowledge about climate change grows, people mm-hmm. will increasingly realize this isn't an act of nature, an act of God, or random event, that this is something that, you know, was created by people. And, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. these natural disasters, I argue, will more often occur in the context of social division. Mm-hmm. So that's another strain that I argue will increase crime. Um, yet another food and fresh water shortages. Um, right. As I mentioned, climate change, the increase in temperature, the rise in sea level, the increasing extreme weather events, etc., going to result in food and fresh water shortage. Mm. And there's some research out there suggesting that food and fresh water shortages are associated with negative emotions like frustration and anger. Um, they're often blamed on the others. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they're quite stressful in and of themselves, and they lead to a range of additional strains, health, work, school problems, and so on. Mm-hmm. It's not unreasonable to suppose that these food and fresh water shortages might lead to crimes like theft, mm-hmm. uh, aggression you know, against those blamed for the shortages, uh, maybe even corporate and state crimes like price gouging, forced mm-hmm. displacement, and so on. Um, there hasn't in criminology been a whole lot of research on the impact of food and fresh water shortage on crime, but there's been a a little research, so for example, studies among the homeless suggest that uh, homeless individuals that report that they're particularly hungry are more likely to engage in crime. Hmm. And certain anecdotal evidence suggests that food and fresh water shortages might increase crime. So for example, um, when food prices spiked in the mid-2000s, mm-hmm. increased by over 80%, hmm. there were riots in 30 countries. Uh, oh. And more recently, there's been another spike in food prices, and that's been 
among other things, said to um, underlie, at least in part, certainly not the only factor, underlie the Arab Spring, hmm. the rise in Egypt, Tunisia, and so on. Hmm. Um, climate change will increase poverty and inequality. Mm-hmm. Um, many people will lose their job, lose their livelihood uh, because of extreme weather events, sea level rise, poor health, uh, forced migration, social conflict, mm-hmm. and poverty. It's a major stressor in and of itself. It right. contributes to a range of secondary stressors, family conflict and abuse, school problems, um, etc. And this increase in poverty is going to be accompanied by rising levels of inequality. One of the things that we know about climate change, natural disaster, and so on. It doesn't affect everyone equally. Mm-hmm. Poor, not surprisingly, the wealthy people in developed countries are much better able to adapt. Right. They suffer less. Mm-hmm. And so natural disaster, among other things, increases inequality, and that exacerbates the effect of poverty. It makes the poverty seem all the more, um, all the more serious, all the more unjust. And so... Right. Um, and poverty and equality are among major causes of crime. Forced migration, um, I argue, is another stressor that may increase crime. Now, mm-hmm. again, you look at the literature, immigration in and of itself doesn't seem to increase crime, but in certain cases it does, and I argue that the immigration that will be associated with climate change, forced migration, the people who immigrate experiencing a range of stressors, the rece- people in the receiving area, um, hostile to immigration, competition over scarce resources, mm-hmm. uh, etc. So, again, I argue that climate change may increase the number of strains and stressors, and and for that reason, increase the likelihood of crime. Right. Um, now, again, not everybody responds to strain or stress with crime, mm-hmm. but among other things, people are less likely to respond to strain or stress with crime when they have a lot of coping skills and resources, including right. monetary resources. When they're high in social support, where there are others they could turn to for assistance, including governments, mm-hmm. um, and so on. And uh, I argue that climate change will not only increase these strains or stressors, but it will also increase the likelihood that people will respond to strains with crime. So, for example, mm-hmm. it will um, reduce coping skills and resources. It will rob people of their financial and other resources. It will reduce social support. Governments will be less able to provide assistance. Uh, be less likely to be able to turn to family, friends, and so on for assistance because they are suffering too. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just one of the arguments that I make, you know, again, drawing primarily on strain theory. Right. But I argue argue that climate change will also impact the other causes of crime. It'll reduce social control. Mm -hmm. It'll foster beliefs conducive to crime. It'll increase social conflict and so on. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's so anyone interested really should pick up your article and and look at that because you really do very you know comprehensively march through a lot of those those major theories and and make these connections. And um, one of the things that struck me as I was reading, um, you were you talk at one point about uh, increasing legal coping strategies. So I thought maybe if you could talk a little bit about what those are and and how you see that as a means to kind of maybe uh, mitigate some of these potential consequences. Great question, and in connection with that, one of the things I want to stress is that, you know, the article is a speculative article. Uh Um, You know, I'm talking about what might, and I underline the word might happen in the future, based on what we know about climate change and the predicted effects of climate change, along with um, theories of crime, and in some cases, small bodies of research related to those 
theories are related, for example, to the relationship between temperature and crime. Mm-hmm. And so it's a speculative article. This is what might happen, but right. um, it doesn't have to happen. And one of the major reasons that I wrote this article is to sort of uh, help sound the alarm and say, hey, this is something, this is a problem we need to take very seriously mm-hmm. that uh, if the predictions that the large majority of scientists working in the area are making come true, you know, there's good reason to believe that this is one possible con- consequence of very serious ex- increasing crime, a rather mm-hmm. dramatic reduction in social order. Mm-hmm. But again, I say that this doesn't have to be, um, right. you know, the future, that, that there are ways we can deal with it. And obviously, one way that we can deal with it is we can take steps to mitigate, mm-hmm. um, you know, those to reduce those actions that contribute to climate change. Unfortunately, if you've been paying any attention to the media, you know that we haven't been doing a whole lot in that area. Right. Um, and so the United Nations, for example, has been sponsoring international conferences on climate change. And, um, you know, not much has resulted from those conferences. Right. Um, but, you know, we certainly need to do a lot more in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, again, you know, we want to hold the increase in temperature to maybe 2 degrees Celsius maximum. Uh-huh. Many argue that we should go be beyond 1.5 degrees Celsius, but we're heading on a trajectory that will take us well beyond that. Yeah. And so, uh, and there are a number of things that we can do from um, conservation to promoting green energy, mm-hmm. um, changes in lifestyle, etc. Um, well, beyond that, we also need to be thinking about adapting mm-hmm. to climate change and its effects, because even, even if we could somehow magically seesaw carbon emissions tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, you know, the carbon in the, the atmosphere is going to stay there for a very long time. Yeah. And uh, the climate change that has begun will continue. Um, and so we need to think about how to adapt to climate change. Right. And um, particularly need to help those countries in the developing world and um, certain groups in all countries, including the developed world, that will suffer the most from climate change, the poor females in certain countries, certain racial and ethnic minority groups, mm-hmm. the very old, the very young, uh, help them better adapt. Mm-hmm. And um, some cities actually, um, while the United States as a whole, unfortunately, isn't doing a whole lot, some cities are starting to take some action in this area. Cities like uh, Seattle, San Francisco, Chicago, New York City, developing climate action plans. Mm-hmm. Some companies that are actually taking a lot of action in this area, doing things, for example, like... Um, you know, realizing, for example, like in coastal cities like New York, that as sea level rises, certain areas are going to be flooded, and so we might want to limit or stop development in these areas, maybe mm-hmm. shift uh, housing to higher ground, mm-hmm. maybe, um, you know, build up barriers to prevent flooding and so on. Um, that in cities in particular, you often have this heat idling effect, so you might want to do things like plant trees. Right. Um, a lot of cities, for example, when they're building buildings, they have green roofs, you know, roofs where you have plants, etc., grass growing, so you, you don't have the heat on effect, etc. Uh-huh. Improve um, water and sanitation facilities to accommodate the increased rainfall, flooding, etc. Um, and that sort of thing, so that as the temperature goes up, etc., uh, you won't have the very negative effects that we've had. So not too long ago, for example, well, I guess a decade or so ago, mm-hmm. there was a major heat wave in the city of Chicago, very mm-hmm. well known. And a lot of people died, suffered very badly from it. And so that's one of the reasons that Chicago is leading the way among U.S. cities to deal mm-hmm. with this. They don't want to repeat of that. Right. And so there are a number of things we can do. One, both to reduce the extent of climate change, and two, to better adapt 
to it to reduce the likelihood that uh, one, you know, the effects of climate change become more severe. Mm -hmm. um, people don't have to go out, turn to crime to get that fresh water, to get that food, etc. Right. That that cities, that countries are are better prepared to meet their needs. They mm. don't turn to crime. Right. That makes, um, you know, so much sense. <laughs> and I think it's, you know, it's interesting just listening to you talk through the first part of the interview. I think the, the title of your article, Dire Forecast, is, is very apt because it's very, you know, it's hard to listen or hard hard to read and not see, oh, my gosh, you know, this this could be really terrible on so many fronts and, and already has, you know, begun in some ways. Um, but to also be able now to think about, well, what on earth could we do about it? And so... Um, some of these things you've talked about, are there any other things in your mind that, you know, even people listening to this podcast or governments that you think should be doing right now to, to prevent and or maybe decrease some of the severity of these impacts? Well, you know, fortunately, uh, we're in a situation where we actually have a pretty good idea of what we need to do. Mm -hmm. It's not like we desperately need to do research. We don't know how to respond. Mm -hmm. There are a number of strategies we can take, and there's good reason to believe that these strategies will be cost-effective over the long run. They will save us more money than they will cost. They will create a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. um, they will lead to a healthier um, a lifestyle. And there are a lot of wonderful books out there that uh, you know are pretty easy to find. Um, I guess the final point that I would make is that I think it's great that you're doing this, that you're promoting public criminology, that mm -hmm. you're reaching out trying to share research with a broader audience. Uh, yeah. And it's especially important in an area like climate change where, um, you know, there's a lack of knowledge out there, there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. um, to give just one quick example, a few days ago, the Wall Street Journal published an editorial hmm. signed by a number of prominent scientists basically saying, climate change isn't a real problem. We don't need to worry about it. Right. Um, but a large group of scientists, including many scientists whose work is more directly in the area, uh, published a response to that, basically saying, you got your facts wrong. This is a very serious problem. We need to act now, and the longer we wait, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the more and more serious, catastrophic the problem is going to become. The Wall Street Journal, as I understand, that refused to publish that response mm. it was published in Science. If you've been following the political primary, of course, right. you know that uh, at least the Republican candidates, climate change is a dirty word. Right. Yep. You say you believe in climate change, you even say you might think that there's something to it, mm -hmm. um, you're under heavy criticism. Yeah. And it's a shame that's the case because many Republicans not too long ago, Nixon and so on, and there's mm. that video of Newt Gingrich and Nancy Pelosi, you know, talking yeah. about climate change, used to be, you know, at the forefront of environmental action. Huh. And so it's important to get the word out there to challenge, you know, and a lot of this function by fossil fuel industry and associated think tanks and organizations that receive funding from them. Um, you know, it's important to get the word out there to challenge a lot of what's being said. So I commend you for, for making an effort for promoting this public sociology, public criminology. Yeah, well, I mean, I really I appreciate, appreciate you including me in this. Yeah, no problem. I really appreciate you taking your time to talk with us. Glad you did. All right. Well, um, thank you very much. Thank you. That is all for another episode of Office Hours. Thanks for listening. See you soon.